all things New Orleans Saints. This is Who Dat Discussion. Who dat? Who dat? Who dat? Who dat? Who dat? Say they Hello and welcome back into another off-season edition here at the Who Dat Discussion. As always, I am your host, Andrew Galata. You can follow me on Twitter at Andrew Galata. And then also you can follow the podcast on Twitter at the Who Dat This. We kind of have a standard episode, off-season episode, really, in store for you guys today. We're going to be continuing our breakdowns of the Saints position groups. And now we're going to be doing the tackles and the exterior offensive line. And then also we are going to answer your Houdat Nation fan questions. It should be a lot of fun. I mean, it's going to be four questions. I mean, I was looking at them before and I'm just blown away. Very fun questions and I can't wait to answer them. They should should just be a really fun segment. And then also, when looking at this breakdown to the tackles group, yeah, the Saints are really good at the top, but we're going to go into the depth, see if the Saints should add anybody. Are they good now? Are they ready to go? And we're kind of going to see how that all is going to play out and we're just going to get right into breaking down these tackles starting off here with the left tackle Teron Armstead we're basically going to do the starters and then go over to the depth players for the Saints and starting off with Teron Armstead look he's a guy that 29 years old going into 2020 right into the prime of his career he's going to be under contract now um the Saints have him under contract for now I believe two more years so now you're not obviously looking for an extension now. Maybe next year you are, but the Saints are fine with him under contract. He's a Pro Bowl type player when he's healthy. Last year he played 15 games. That's the most he's played in a while. And when he's playing, he's just elite. I mean, 80 PFF grade. He's been able to not give up a lot of sacks. And he's been very, very good. Now the problem is health with him. We all know that. And he has to continue to stay healthy. Playing 15 games was huge, but he definitely was banged up down the stretch. He didn't have a good game in the wild card game versus the Vikings. But again, he's a guy that could hopefully just stay healthy. And if he stays healthy, he's going to be one of the best left tackles in the league. I think we all know that. He has all of the right intangibles, you know, really athletic, good physical, good technique. He's just, I mean, he's a player that will be very, very good for, for the Saints at left tackle if healthy. If he's not healthy, then you're going to get you're gonna get into some issues. Not Maybe not big issues, but you're going to get into some issues. And again, he's a player that, look, hasn't stayed healthy all the time. And that's when the Saints run into a bit of uh, some issues on the offensive line. But if he stays healthy, the Saints should be 100% fine. Just we all know the question with him is going to be health. Going over to the right side and the right tackle, Ryan Ramchek. I mean, he's a player that, look, coming in here, 100% all pro and only his third season, 91 PFF grade. He's been great all three seasons for the Saints and like lockdown, amazing. Like not giving up any sacks, doing great against the run, opening up holes, can get out in space. He's basically the guy that from he's going to be one of the best right tackles for the future. He stayed healthy. He's going to be a franchise type guy for the Saints. The Saints are going to have to pay him, but we all know that. And you know, he's going to be a guy that's going to come in here, you're going to pay him big bucks and he's going to do some great work for the Saints. He's a guy that's going to play right tackle. He's hopefully going to play right tackle for the next 10 years for the Saints, and he's going to be in there. Injuries hasn't been an issue um, in his first three years. They shouldn't be an issue going forward, and obviously you're going to knock on wood for that and everything, so so hopefully he stays healthy. But he's just a rock back there, 100%. You feel extremely confident in him um, guarding 
any of the best defensive ends in the league and protecting Drew Brees. And he's a guy with Armstead. If they're both healthy, that's the best tackle duo in the league. I firmly believe that. You know, you're looking at these guys, both PFFs over 80, both not giving up any sacks. I believe, like, they combined give up, like, one sack. And, like, so they're not giving up sacks. They're not giving up. Um, they're having a high PFF grade. They're not giving up tackles for losses. They're just being very, very, I mean, just very solid. And that's really what you want to see. Armstead did have a bad playoff game, but Ramchek, he played pretty well in that playoff game. And again, he's a guy that I'm just not worried about going forward. And I, and I do think that he's a guy that we can trust and he's going to be one of the best players in the league. And that's really fun. I mean, to have an all pro, perennial all pro player, I think, at right tackle. I mean, that was a huge pickup by the Saints when they got that 32nd pick for Brandon Cooks. Like, that's a win for the Saints. Getting a tackle for Brandon Cooks, like, that's huge. Getting a 10 year perennial Pro Bowl perennial all-pro tackle for, I mean, a speedster receiver that has moved teams to journeymen at this point, that is, to me, a really good, really good move by the Saints, and Ramchek has shown, you know, he's been very, very good, and, and props to the Saints for picking him, props for everybody, and again, he's going to be a player that's going to be going for the future, A-plus player, just really amazing for the Saints, so those are your starters, but now let's get into the backups, because obviously you Armstead is a guy that's gotten hurt. He hasn't played a full season, I don't think, ever in his career. So we have to look at the backups. And the first guy is actually starts at left guard, and that's Andrus Pete. Andrus Pete is now going to be signed for the Saints long term. I'm not going to talk about his ability at left guard and kind of what he's going to be able to do there. I'm just looking at his left tackle. He's a guy that is very versatile, and I think that's why the Saints got him long term. He's an athletic left guard, uh, athletic left guard, but also played left tackle as well. Obviously, physical freak of nature. We've seen some issues with him just basically being able to continue that success, and he really hasn't been able to have continuous success in this league. You've seen too much of him falling on his backside, not really playing good, getting stiff-armed. I mean, he's made too many minus plays, but then he's also made a lot of positive plays. It's a really kind of, he's got to really negate those bad plays, and if he can get all those bad plays out, you're thinking he's going to be pretty good for the Saints. Um, but again, that's going to be tough for him. He has his own injury troubles and the Saints may want to keep him at left guard just long-term, just learn this position, get really good at it. And then we'll worry about left tackle if Armstead goes down. But if Armstead does goes down, we have seen Pete in the past kind of slide over there and do an average job, an admiral job going in there and filling in for Armstead. He's done that before. And I'm actually pretty comfortable if he would move over to play left tackle. And, um, look, he wouldn't be the best left tackle. He wouldn't be as good as Armstead, but he'd be a serviceable player and a guy that could at least kind of hold down the fort if he was out long-term. Like, the Saints wouldn't... Let's say Andrews Pete was playing left tackle. I don't think the Saints would then not be a Super Bowl contender. Like, I think he could hold down the fort in that matter. And, and I do think that's very, very important. And I do think that's why, or partly why, the Saints did sign him long-term. But a, a guy that can come in just for a game or two and, like, a spot star, and he's got the veteran nature, he's got all that fun stuff. And that's me, Patrick Omame. We did talk about him. He's going to be 30 years old going into 2020. I mean, he's a guy that, I mean, he surprised me with a lot of solid play in 2020. I mean, look, his PFF grade wasn't great with a 58.6, but I thought he did very, very good. And for playing tackle, he played one game at tackle and you didn't hear his name once, really. He did a very good job. I mean, and then he was able to come in as the same sixth uh, offensive lineman sometimes. He's a guy that can play all around the line, especially tackle. He's a player that's going to come in. I don't think, let's say Armstead in like the fifth game is out for the air. I don't think you're going to start a Mame every game. But I do think that if he's, like, let's say Armstead misses one or two games or two or three games, you're going to see Omame come in there and step up instead of Pete because you'd rather have Pete 
stay at the position or stay at left guard long term and not just like or or stay at left tackle long term like you you should have Pete in a position that he's going to stay at see if Armstead was out for the year I would move Pete into that left tackle spot if he wasn't I'd put Omame there and and that just really shows that Saints have options and look again Patrick Omame is going to come in here for three games he's not going to be the reason the Saints lose he won't be the reason the Saints win either but he won't be the reason the Saints lose like he could do a very very good job just coming in here doing an average job I mean doing just good enough and that's kind of what the Saints needed to do for a few games but to me that is um very very good there and you definitely see the potential with Omame on the Saints and for sure he's a guy that could come up in here and hopefully just repeat what he did last year but that won't be hard for him to do and then he could just be he's a spot on the Saints has a role in the Saints and he will be able to in my opinion achieve it if his name is called and then these last two guys are kind of developmental pieces and again, they're guys that I think they're kind of depth that the Saints, they obviously still have to learn. But let's say Omame next year gets signed by another team. You may see one of these guys kind of step up into a position where they need to actually play. And the first guy is Ethan Greenidge. He's 22 years old. Extremely young player. He was an undrafted free agent. He was a camp body with a shot to make a roster. And he made the roster. He was a UDFA and he was on the 53. He was usually a healthy scratch, but he was on the roster. And to me, that's important. He's a guy that, look, he has the athletic ability. Now, obviously, you just have to build upon that, and he's extremely raw. So now, if you have that raw player, you're thinking that, okay, maybe if he's on the team again this year and keeps on growing, he can see that. To me, he's a practice squad player that, let's say someone gets hurt, he could be elevated to the 53. He's only 22 years old, so he's definitely a project. But, I mean, let's just project three years down the road. Let's say he's still with this team three years down the road, just keep on learning, learning, learning. He may have a shot to, to make an impact down the road. He's so young and he's so raw that you could definitely see a potential for him. He's just he's too young. He's just he's too raw. And he's also too young, in my opinion, here. Going into his second year at 22 years old, that's something that, I mean, it's really unheard of. So, again, he's going to be a player that comes up, hopefully ends up, to me, hitting the practice squad. If, you, if they need him in a pinch, I think, I guess he's playing. But to me, he's just too raw. He's more of a developmental piece. And that's really what I'm thinking for him. And then our final tackle is Derek Kelly III. He is on a futures deal, so that's going to be giving him an invitation to training camp. He was on the Saints practice squad all of 2019. He had a few really bad injuries. So to me, he was a guy that was just trying to get his career back on the right foot. I mean, like he played his first snaps in preseason for like three years. So he's just trying to get back on the right foot. He was a guy that did start, I mean, a few games for the Texans when he was on the Texans. So he's a guy that has some starting experience. But again... You have to prove that the injuries, he's conquered the injuries, and he can now play at that level. And he's going to be a guy that's going to be competing with Omame for that spot. In my opinion, that's like a veteran-type guy that has started before that can play tackle. I don't think he's going to win it. I think he may be back on the practice squad or signed by another team or whatever the deal may be. But I think he's a guy that could at least challenge Omame or challenge some other tackles for a spot in this team. And he's definitely really good depth and camp body because he's another, another guy, excuse me, that can do Omame's role. So I think that is really big. And then we have a few more guys here for the Saints that the Saints signed on undrafted free agents. There's a few guys that can play offensive tackle and then offensive um, guard as well. And again, to me, you're looking at a few of these guys. First, I'm just looking at the guy that's only tackle, and I'm going to look at the guys that can play guard and um, tackle as well. So first, the only person that plays tackle um, that just... Supremely tackle, that's Darren Paolo from Utah. Look, 
He's an athletic, I mean, monster, 6'5". He's got 34 um, 7 eighth inch arms. Like, that's really big. And he's got good quick feet for a big guy. That's great. The problem is, is that he is raw, the hand placement is raw, and he's usually not the lower guy. So he's got to be able to work on technique so he can win on leverage. And that's something that he's going to have to do throughout training camp. And he's going to have to win a spot on this team to me through that. And he may have to beat out a Patrick Omame, a Derek Kelly to do that. I see him more as a practice squad player. Maybe you see him break, break into the roster. But, but to me, there's really not a spot for him here. I think he's going to be more of a practice squad guy. And the other two guys, to me, just because they're really versatile you may see a better chance of them making the roster. So Calvin uh, Throckmorton from Oregon is a guy that could come up in here and to me do a good job at the versatility role and like he could play all positions. And to me, that's th that's something that I could see him do a very good job at. He played 45 games at tackle. And then, you know, he's also a guy that's played at the backup guard role, has played center. Like he's, he's been able to do that. And he may project as a guard or a center in the NFL just because look, the to me, his athletic ability isn't there, but his technique is. And that's something that's hard to teach, in my opinion. Like, obviously, you can't teach athletic ability, and that's why a lot of people go for the athletic guards and athletic tackles, and because you can't teach that athletic ability. But it's also sometimes really hard to, to teach that technique, and he already has all that technique. Like, playing five roles at a high level here, that's something that is impressive, and you have to say that. You know, and he's a guy that, look, he got a guaranteed base salary, like one of the highest in the league, or I think it was like top 10 or something, and he's a guy that could come in here and do a really good job. I think he's a guy that, look, he's probably going to project more as a guard or center, but I think he's going to actually be a quality backup for the Saints, maybe even this year, and I do think you got to keep an eye on him going on to the roster here in 2020, and he's a guy that I could see making the 53. The other player is Jordan Steckler from Northern Illinois, and he played both tackle and guard, and he is just, to me, nice depth. I think he's going to be more of a uh, camp body that moves to the practice squad because to me, his technique isn't as good as Thro Throckmorton's. You're not going to have two guys on the roster like Throckmorton and Steckler. I think I'd rather have the power five conference player, the more technically sound player. He's played the better talent. So I I I'm going to go with Throckmorton to make the roster. If any of these guys make the roster, I would go with Throckmorton over Steckler, but that's just my opinion there. So Basically, to sum it all up, I think that this tackle group is deep, like deep, deep, deep. You have obviously your two stud starters, but then also you do have some nice depth. You have an average tackle with Andrews Pete. You have a, to me, a serviceable replacement with Patrick Omame. And then also you have some projects down the road. So to me, really solid group. They fit, they check all the boxes. You have your all pros, you have your average players, you have your projects. This is going to be a really good group for 2020. So, before we do get into our Houdat Nation fan questions, we are going to take a quick break. You are listening to the Houdat Discussion Podcast. Welcome back into the Houdat Discussion, and now we are going to jump right into your Houdat Nation fan questions. We have four questions this week, and I just can't wait to answer all of them. We should have a lot of fun, so I'm just going to get right in to our first question here from Saints fan since 83 and he asked odds on the Saints getting Everson Griffin, Ziggy Ansah and Eli Apple and or Eli Apple. I think that's what um, he was trying to say here. So first to me odds on getting Everson Griffin I'd say 15 to 20 percent and here's why. I don't think the Saints want to get like a big splash player like Griffin. I don't think they want to spend the money to get the player like that 
just because I think they have a lot of confidence in Marcus Davenport. I think that the Saints really believe that Marcus Davenport's going to become a 10-sack guy. They gave up a first-round pick for him. They have a lot of, just a lot into him, so he's got to really take that next step, and I think the Saints are banking on that. I think they think it's going to happen. So, again, I really wouldn't expect getting an Everson Griffin. Maybe you're going to get another player that's a little less, and that's why I really love that you bring up Ziggy Anza, who I would love to see the Saints get. Look, last year, only like a three-sack guy, but then, you know, he was a guy that did have a 10-sack season before. Like, if he gets back to that five, six-sack range, you could see him being a really productive member of the Saints team, and then also that's going to add, obviously, that Alex Okafor role that I would love the Saints to to get. And again, I don't think Everson Griffin's going to really want to be a third defensive end here, but Anza, I think, may. So that's why I would put Anza at like a 40 or 50% chance that the Saints would sign a player like him and less with a Griffin-type player with like a 15 to 20 because Everson Griffin's a great player. I think they want Marcus Davenport to fit that role and not have like a veteran player kind of just block Davenport's development. I think the Saints want to make that development and they want a player that can kind of do things that Davenport can't and then just kind of like a I mean like just a backup plan for him and I do think that's what the Saints want to do instead of getting a guy that's going to block Davenport and again that's just my opinion on it. Eli Apple I'm going to say it's around 40% as well 40-50% and you know I would never put anything to me above 50% at this point for just an individual player just because like there's so many options out there and the Saints may not get anybody like the roster is full like they may not try to add I think at the right price you may see the Saints get a player like uh, Ansa or Apple or Griffin but if it's not at the right price they're not going to just like outbid someone else to get him like that's just my opinion on it it's going to be very slow moving they may not get any of these guys they may get one they may get none I mean they may get two they may get none we don't really know and I think that that's something that is interesting to look at but again that's kind of what my odds are I would say 15 to 20 percent for Griffin maybe even lower Anza I'd say closer to 40 to 50 same with Apple as well and again Apple would fill a role to me that the Saints kind of do need a depth third corner here a boundary corner but that means Apple won't be playing for most of the season especially if the Saints are healthy like if the Saints cornerbacks are healthy you don't need Eli Apple he would just fill a depth role, and if he wants to take that role, stay with the same team, have a chance to have a starting role and take that next step, you could see him taking that, but again, he's probably going to be a guy that wants to start in the league, and there is he he can start on some teams here. No teams assigned him yet. It's definitely a little questionable. I wouldn't be surprised that the Saints would pick him up just to give depth, and again, you don't really want to see Eli Apple play on the field, but if he does, like that's a good backup to have, like a solid backup, a backup that started a ton like, that's, to me, really, really big there, in my opinion. And, again, that's, I think, probably the biggest odds. Maybe you want to go 45 for Apple, 50 for Apple, 40 for Anza, and then, like, 15 for Griffin. I could definitely see the Saints getting Apple just because he's familiar, and the Saints have really focused on familiarity this season. So I could definitely see that for the Saints. I would say that's the highest odds. But then Anza and then Griffin for the Saints. Then our next question is from Saints fans 9 and he asked, do you think that the Saints need to add any more pieces or do you think they just wait for the regular season, see how it happens, and then kind of maybe if they need to make a trade or something, they do that? It's definitely an option. And this kind of pairs well with our first question. I don't think they do need to add more pieces necessarily. They have one of the deepest rosters in the league. I mean, you're looking at this roster the last two years have won, what, 26 games. They've won obviously 37 in the last three with basically the same pieces. 
they definitely don't have to add anybody. But look, if they want to make that home run move to really put them over the top in the offseason, you may see that happen. I think the Saints are more likely to wait for the regular season because I do think they want that 8 to $9 million kind of cushion because if they want to go out and add somebody, they could. And like same with the Eli Apple situation in 2018. Let's say at one position the Saints just can't get it together and they're just not doing very well. Maybe you see the Saints get an Eli Apple-type player and then you, you kind of band-aided that up for at least a year and then you see how it goes down in the future. I could see the Saints doing that and maybe you get an even better player than Eli Apple and a blockbuster player that like last year the Saints couldn't get because the cap was so, you were just strapped to the cap. This year you're not strapped to the cap and I do think that could be a kind of defining factor for this um, trade deadline. Like if the Saints are able to have extra cap, you can see them go out and get guys in the regular season. But if they want to add a piece now, you won't be able to make a trade later. So it's kind of that trade-off. My opinion is that they're going to wait for the regular season. That did work out better for them in 20 and in 2018. They were able to get their guy in the regular season. Like they saw the issue, they identified it, and then they they, they went about and replaced like Ken, Ken Crawley with um, Eli Apple, and it worked. 2019, you know, they had some issues. You couldn't fix them, and then it was kind of just too late. So, again, that's like, especially at the receiver position, like they had Saints had issues, and they couldn't fix it, and then they didn't have the money to really get another receiver, so you were kind of just stuck. That's just kind of what happened to the Saints in 2019, 2018. You were able to kind of identify that cornerback slot and fix it. You couldn't last year, so I do think that that's something that the Saints may look at. So, that's really kind of... I think that trade-off is. You may, let's see the Saints see a guy they really love and it's for the right price. I think they're going to go get him this year. I wouldn't be surprised if they made a move for sure. You're not surprised by anything for Mickey Loomis and Sean Payton. But if they don't find that piece, they're not going to sh- stretch for anybody. They're not going to just like outbid a team to get a player unless it's in their price range. Like Then they would just wait for the regular season. Like They have a great team. They probably have a 13-3 type team, 12-4 type team already. And then if they need a piece to put them over the top in the regular season... You can go out and trade for that guy. And I do think that's more of the option that the Saints are going to go in. So that will wrap up our second question. Moving on to our third question. And this one's from Fifth Quarter Saints. And they asked, who is the Saints QB after this season when Drew Brees retires? So obviously, this is going to be if Drew Brees retires. I think he's going to retire, especially if the Saints have a lot of success and win a Super Bowl. I think that it would be up for Drew Brees. And then, let's say the Saints don't win the Super Bowl, I think it's going to be close because, yes, he's, his competitive nature is through the roof, but it just seems like this is going to be his last year. That's just my opinion with it. We'll kind of see what happens there. So, who's the quarterback when Breeze retires? Hill or Winston? And as much as Sean Payton says it's an open competition, I just think Hill's the guy. I do think of that. And I do. the reason I do think that is because of the contract they gave Taysom Hill. And everyone says, oh, it's not a big contract. Like, to give $16 million in 2021 to a player that's not your starting quarterback is pretty foolish, in my opinion. Like, Taysom Hill, as much as I love him as a jack-of-all-trades type guy, excuse me there, and, you know, a guy that just does everything, that's not worth $16 million. Like, that's an overpay for sure. But $16 million for a quarterback, that makes a lot more sense, especially a first-year quarterback. That makes a lot more sense. The Saints gave nothing to Jameis Winston. Now, if Jameis Winston comes up here and surprises the Saints, does amazing stuff, yes, I think he could start. But to me, I think this is going to be more of Taysom Hill's team. I think Sean Payton wants to put a new kind of wrinkle into the offense. I think this will bring that 
imaginative kind of trait back to Sean Payton and doing what he's able to do. I think that the NFL is moving in that direction, so I think Taysom Hill will be the guy for the Saints. That's just my opinion. I think he deserves a shot. I think the Saints know he deserves a shot, and I do think that the Saints are going to give him a shot, especially if Taysom Hill gets better and better over this next year. You're going to definitely see him, I think, lead the team. I think he has the leadership skills to lead the team, and I do think that he will be the Saints guy, and that's just my opinion, and I do think the Saints could be successful with him. I definitely do think that, but again, if, it, if I was running the team, I would have probably started new with a quarterback, and I mean, I could definitely see why people think that. I'm a believer in that. Like, you just start clean with a guy that can play quarterback position, that's played it for a while, but the Saints are going to go in an unorthodox position like they always do, and they're going to bring Taysom Hill in, and I'm fine with that. Like, I want to see the wrinkles in the offense. I want to see all that stuff. And I do think that Taysom, like, I'm definitely comfortable with Taysom SQB. It's just maybe I would have went in another direction. But I 100% trust Sean Payton more than I than I even trust myself. So I'm fine with them getting Taysom Hill. I'm actually even fine with them picking up Jameis Winston. But I love the pickup by Jameis Winston because now you get to see what Winston's able to do. If Winston blows your socks off, he does become the starting QB next year. And especially if Brees stays healthy for all 16 games, you're probably going to see Winston and Hill battle it out next offseason as well. And that's going to be extremely fun to see. And then let's just say Hill starts and Winston backs him up. Then you can really just like have a good backup with a starter that, look, Hill, I mean, as much the way he plays, like that could be injury prone and that could, we'll kind of have to see that. But then at least you have a really good backup for that. And let's say Hill fails, then you have Winston for that as well. Again, that would be really good insurance for the Saints and I think if I've had to put money on it, I'd say Hill's going to be the quarterback, but I do think Winston's really good insurance for the Saints and their plan. And then our final question is from Ross Jackson. Love what he does on all of his podcasts, all of his, like his writing is great as well. Big fan of his work. And this is just to me a really fun question. He said, if you could put another player from another sport on the Saints roster this offseason, besides LeBron James, who would you take and what? position so to me this is really a, just a great question and again there has been like I, I could definitely say the easy answer is like Zion Williamson because obviously he could play tight end and he's just such a good athlete but I do think that's a little of a cop-out just because everyone says it and he's kind of just like just to me like LeBron James but to me like I think the Saints would love to see like a star receiver coming in here like a Kawhi Leonard Paul George guys that just get up and could make plays, and, and, and they're guys that have great, um, I think they could run the routes great, because they're great lateral movements, they're great on defense, so I could see those quick movements being really helpful with um, running routes and stuff like that, especially twitchy routes. Also, people say that John Wall is like the fastest player in the NBA, and he's 6'4", so if you can get a burner at 6'4", like that could be the next all-star uh, Pro Bowl player, but I would think, I, I would like to add really any NBA all-star going into that wide receiver group. You put him aside Mike Thomas. Like, if you put Kawhi Leonard aside Mike Thomas, like, to me, that's insane. Um, to me, those guys can definitely just do a really uh, great job. Paul George is another one. And if John Wall, I mean, at 6'4", with that speed, if that would translate to the football field, I could definitely see a lot of great things, especially the way Sean Payton could use him. I could definitely see something like that. I mean, that's just kind of my opinion there. I could also see, I know a lot of Pelicans fans probably won't like this, but I could see Anthony Davis being a really good kind of tight end type player, like a Jimmy Graham type player. The way he's able to get up, he's able to move in space. I could definitely see that as well. So that's just kind of the way I was thinking in. Like, 
I just feel like the Saints need like a wide receiver and then like or any of those guys to make a play corner as well. Like putting Kawhi Leonard at corner. I mean, these guys are so big, they probably can't play corner, but just the thought of them doing that would be just insane. Like they do have like playing defense in the NBA, you do have a lot of those quick twitchy movements and that's the same as a cornerback needs. Like I could definitely see that as well. I mean, that would be really really interesting. But, like, the Saints don't really need a quarterback, so, like, I wasn't going to really go into the baseball sphere. But there are a lot of baseball players that I think could play, like, quarterback. Like, think of, like, Max Serger. He's, like, 6'3", 6'4", just tossing the rock around, and I could definitely see that. Or, I mean, any of these guys. I mean, I could see... Um, I'm a big Mets fan, so, like, Yuan Cespedes back in the day, like, he would have been an insane linebacker. He was a guy that would just shoot, you know, in the outfield through holes. He also had a great arm as well. So, again, I could also see him as a running back. Because the way he was just, um, just the, his, he had great acceleration, so I could definitely see that as well. But I, I just had a really fun time with this question, Ross, and thank you for asking it because it is, it's a very uh, interesting question. Because like, I mean, obviously we're looking at LeBron, what he said about how he can play tight end, or he was actually thinking about playing tight end in the NFL during the lockout, and also the whole thing with Michael Jordan, how he played ba- uh, baseball. Excuse me there, but I just think that was a really, really fun question, and I had a lot of fun answering it. So, with all that said, I do think it's time to wrap up this podcast. If you like what we're doing here at the Houdat Discussion and haven't followed our various social media platforms, definitely do that on Twitter. We are at the Houdat Dis. I also said this earlier in the podcast as well. Personally on Twitter, um, I'm at Andrew Galata. And then also you can follow us on Instagram at uh, Houdat Discussion. So definitely check out all those places. And also you can listen to this podcast wherever you get any of your podcasts, as I always say. So that means iTunes, Spotify, Google Music, all that fun stuff. We are on there. Definitely look out for a film study coming out. It's going to be on Andrews Pete. I'm editing it today and a little bit tomorrow. should be out by the end of tomorrow, and that should be really, really fun as well. And it should be just, I mean, it's interesting because Andrews Pete is such an up-and-down player. It was just really interesting to kind of put in the tape for him. But I think that's all we have to say for this edition of the Who Dad Discussion. So, with all that said, I want to say thank you, run it back, and Who Dat.